Hey, it's Monday. It means, like every day, it's party time. Welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. We are back. Uh, yeah, thank you all for the birthday wishes. You guys made a guy feel special. And uh, the older I get, Chris, I'm telling you, I need those those moments. We had the, uh, the a great show down there at Dosi Do. Uh, it was quite an eventful show. It was a packed house. A few little, uh, had a medical emergency in the middle of the show. And thank, thank, proud to say that that gentleman is okay. Um, I won't tell his business and, uh, I don't know. It wasn't a heart attack, but when it first happened, I thought it was. Uh, and so I stopped the show and anyway, he was okay. I, I reached out to him. I got his phone number, reached out to him yesterday and he was still in the, in the hospital, but they, I think he gets to go home today. So anyway, I told him, I said, look, man, if you ever want to come back to one of my shows and you don't want to have like some kind of medical flashback, just shoot me a text message and let me know. I'll put you on the list. All right. You'd be my guest. But uh, it's a good show. Everybody showed up. People brought gifts. Apparently, people think I like to drink whiskey and tequila. I don't know. There were a lot of gifts. Where did they get that idea? I don't have a clue. But there were a lot of gifts, and so I want to say thank you. There were folks who flew in from California, people I'd never met before. They flew in for the show from California. And uh, so anyway, you guys, you, it, made a, it made for a great 50th birthday, and it was a big celebration. Lots of family, lots of friends, lots of good stuff. And uh, then, you know, just honorable mention, my son turned 16 yesterday, so whatever. He's, yeah, he's a whippersnapper. He'll be all right. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a full week of ber- birthdays, Chris, but I'm glad to be back in the studio. And I want to tell everybody before we get going, uh, Greenville, South Carolina is where I will be this Friday and Saturday night at the Comedy Zone. And then the 21st, that's Wednesday, that's our annual Christmas show, Arlington Music Hall, Arlington, Texas. Uh, get your tickets now, watchchad.com for all the fun stuff is and uh, plenty to get into today. My good buddy Tim Barton from Wall Builders is in the house. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's good to see you. I your name, you and your dad's name have come up so much in conversation recently in places that I'm traveling to and, and people say, you know, there's this guy out there named Tim Barton and he's got I'm like, yeah, well, really, yeah, that's great. Someone doesn't ever watches my show, I can tell. Um I was thinking as I was I was driving to the studio this morning, I've never asked you, like, I know your dad, David, is is just he's one of those walking encyclopedias which you are too when you were little when you were young did you were you like hey i really want to get into this history bit or was it like your dad said this is what you're gonna do son so it it definitely was not uh the family we grew up in we traveled so much um by the time i was 13 i'd been to all 50 states um, and we traveled in a 15-passenger van, which made the drive to Hawaii real fun. Um, <laughs> That's some Green New Deal kind of stuff. I right? the Green New Deal train. Um, but we, we traveled so much that we were never home. And so my ambition was to not follow my dad's footsteps because I wanted a normal life, whatever normal right, might be. Right. Um, but man... Uh, I, I developed a love and a passion for truth, and I wanted to defend truth on lots of levels. And so certainly when I had the opportunity to come and start working with my dad, and I saw so many things being claimed and, and so many attacks against America, the founding fathers, the Constitution, that just were not even close to being honest. And a lot of people without good intentions were making these attacks, right? It's obviously one thing if people have bad information and they're making claims because they, they just don't know the truth, but it's totally different yeah. when you know somebody knows better and they're making these claims. Claims. And so really it was a, a passion, love for truth that led me to follow uh, the, the trail that my dad had blazed. It's interesting that you put it that way because, you know, people always, they accuse me of being political. I'm not political, I'm cultural. And I talk about politics to the degree that it affects culture, right? Or how culture affects politics. And so we had, we were talking about, it. I had 
Brian McClanahan, who's a historian, on the show a week ago. And do you guys, do you consider yourselves historians or just we're going to expose truth using history? I think absolutely we would be on the second end that we're just trying to tell the truth. But when the reality is you spend all of your time studying and researching history, people consider you historians. Um, And and I don't know that we would even necessarily, if I was going to introduce myself, I wouldn't say, hi, I'm a historian, right? Right. Right. Because that's just the kind of the nature reality of what we do. Um, It's not necessarily who we are, but the fact that we've been able to collect such an amazing array of documents from American history, it's allowed us to be experts on some level, um, not because we have the knowledge, we just have the documents that tell the story. And so, so then, right, that one of the the attacks and criticisms at times we get is people say, wait a second, but right, you're not credentialed. You don't have degrees. You're not a history professor. And that's true. However, I guarantee you, I've probably read more of the original documents than all these history professors have. Yeah. And so what does it take to be an expert? Well, the reality is we're not asking people to trust what we're saying. We're just saying, let us point you to the actual documents and just go read for yourself. In the modern academic uh, era we live in, and really it's just kind of the cultural elite, there's people that pretend like you're not smart enough to understand things, right? Dr. Fauci would say, <laughs> hey, you're not smart enough to understand the science. Trust me, I'm the science. Like, no, we we actually are smart enough to be able right. to read and chart some graphs and understand some things. And this is what we try to do with American history. We tell people, don't take our word for it. Let us let us point you to the documents and come read for yourself. And when you do the actual research, when you read for yourself, you realize the story is a lot different than what we've been told for a lot of decades. Yeah. You brought some stuff with you. We're going to get into that in a minute. I, You know, I try to figure out what the future is going to say about mm-hmm. today whenever we're history, right? So, yeah, I've often joked, I think Andrew Heaton said it to me one time. He said, you know, aliens are going to invade Earth one day and they're going to dig up our artifacts and they're going to find Twitter files that say, hey, they took a game show host and made him their king, you know? And so, and now you see the uncovering of documents. Uh, I gave a speech on Thursday night to a group and, and I talked about how, you know, revisionist history is so detrimental to society but but look at the things that are being exposed like with this elon musk Mm -hmm. thing going on with twitter right this this because what they've done is they've hidden documents in order to restructure the narrative of what's been going on so that in a way is 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 not even history it's it's revising reality of what we're seeing now 50 years from now 75 100 years from now what do you think how do you think in a nutshell they're going to interpret 2022 and this this right now i think a lot of it depends on what happens in the next couple years because if we have this orwellian society right where big tech big government where if they go unchecked and they win the game they're trying to play and it's totalitarian then i think you have the new speak i i think Mm. you have some of the history when you go back to when woodrow wilson was a major figure leader the progressive era takes over the progressive era literally rewrote history and a lot of people just didn't pay attention, didn't know. And it's become the standard that now, 100 years later, we're looking back going, well, this is this is the way it's always been. No, Woodrow Wilson changed a lot or FDR. You can go through a lot of these major progressive leaders and see things they changed. But if if you grew up hearing that this is just the way it's always been, you don't realize that, which is why we always encourage people, let's go back to the original documents. Let's go back and see and study what was actually written and actually said, not just what some professor right has said about what happened. Let's yeah. go see the documents. I think it depends on who's looking and who's telling the story. 
as to what happens. Because even where we are now, with some of this stuff being exposed, right? If you listen to the the ladies on The View, they're still not going to be honest right. with the truth we know. If you listen to CNN, they're still not going to be honest, even though now we know, right, whether it be with the COVID lockdown policies or whether it be with the Twitter censoring from 2020 or Michelle Obama helping get President Trump banned, I don't think they're going to be honest about what happened because they're still going to promote and push their narrative. So I think it depends on who sees. But if people are looking from an honest perspective and they look back, they're going to go, these guys were sheep being manipulated. And they're going to probably wonder why more people weren't waking up along the way. That's interesting. I, I, um, everywhere I go now, I'm kind of using the same philosophy. I've heard Glenn say it a million times. I've heard you guys mention it. Say, you know, start committing as much of this stuff to memory as you can, because, you know, the folks that, that have the power to get their hands on these documents are going to hide them mm-hmm. as much as they can. So whether it's your Bible, it's your Constitution, you know, your Federalist Papers, the Declaration, various things that you've got in your hands on. That's one thing that I appreciate about you guys is, is y'all are grabbing things, putting them in a vault. Not everybody has access to these things. And, and you could say, hey, look, this is the original parchment, right? This is this is these guys put quill to this piece of, uh, you know, cloth or paper. And it's there. It's mm-hmm. it's living history. So, you know, and, and then you've got, I mean, my gosh, America is, we're looking like a laughing stock at this mm-hmm. point, right? So numerous things, but just right here this week. So we, you got the Sam Brenton guy who I say, to, he, he's in control of taking out the nuclear diapers for, you know, nuclear waste for, and he's... Apparently, this guy's a suitcase kleptomaniac. This is our, you know. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And then you got the military colonel, which we're going to talk about more of that later on in the week, but who is wearing his little dog fetish thing. Uh, and America's looking at this. I mean, it, we literally have kind of become a Gotham City mm-hmm. yeah. on the world stage. And then you look at the Brittany Griner exchange right. for Victor Boot, who is an international arms dealer who funded genocides and civil wars in Africa and a whole host of things that are there. And you look at it, you go, man, are we even paying attention at this point when you think of the greatness from where we've been in the past? Does this generation, I mean, do we just continue to devolve into the dustbin of history? What's the future look like? So it's a really interesting question. And as somebody who studies a lot of history, right, most civilizations don't last longer than about 250 years before there's a major change. Uh, Usually, if if they were a leader in the world, that leadership begins to decrease, and sometimes there's a pretty significant overturn, a violent overthrow. So historically speaking, 250 years is about the extent that a nation is the nation they were, and America's coming up on 250 years. We're about 246, 47 years into this. So historically speaking, we, we are kind of at the precipice of the end if it continues on with the trend. And part of the reason for that is, uh, you know, there's the the old cycle, the circle of the apathy. And, you know, you kind of track the progression of where people are in that stage, that cycle of nations. And ultimately, when you have people that have fought to provide and produce something significant, and then even with wealth, when you have that second, third, fourth generation take over, they don't understand what it took and why it's special and why this matters. They begin to lose those things along the way. I think the reason America 
is losing a lot of things along the way is we've lost the moral fabric upon which the nation was built. Uh, John Adams says that our constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of the other. And yeah. it, it, I mean, for us, it makes a lot of sense. If you give freedom to immoral people, it looks like Chicago on any given weekend, right? Like that's not a good way to give freedom to people that don't have the moral values to say don't rob, steal, murder, cheat, whatever else. Freedom only works if you have morality. And the founding fathers, the reason they promoted the Bible and Christianity, it's not just because all of them are Christians because there's a few that weren't, but it's because they understood the value of what that produced in society that when we have a moral society, it actually allows us to have common sense, yeah. right? Because even this notion we talk about, well, nobody has common sense anymore. Well, it's because common sense was rooted on a moral structure that told you what's good and what was bad, what was right, wrong, right? What was evil or righteous. And you would go, that that, that, that doesn't make any sense. It's not going to work because we understood the moral fabric and foundation of the way that people, nations, governments functioned. And the fact that in America, we've lost that moral foundation we are going the only logical direction we could go. And unless we recover some of that moral foundation, because even this argument that, you know, we need to preserve the constitution, the declaration and bill of rights, which I make, I totally believe we do. You, you can't preserve the constitution if you don't preserve morality. Yeah. Right. You can't preserve the bill of rights if you don't preserve morality. In fact, you need to preserve morality before you can ultimately save and defend the constitution or the bill of rights, because that's downstream. If there's not morality, then there's there's no right or wrong. There are no absolutes. But if there's no absolutes right or wrong, constitution's not going to work. Right. Mm. The Bill of Rights will not work if there's not a moral structure and there's not absolutes. And so that's where I would say we have to recover that first before we can recover anything else. And if we don't recover that, we'll go the way that every other nation in the history of the world has gone and they will cease to be a great nation. I posted on Twitter this morning. I said, you know, we didn't we really didn't care about your drag shows until you started trying to include kids in this stuff. Right. And somebody commented back, said, yeah, but you guys are the ones that want religion back in schools. And I'm like, well. I didn't respond to this, but my response would have been exactly what you just said, uh, but less eloquently. It's like it's not about religion so much as it is a moral basis, correct? A foundation that is truth and honest and has integrity, and you know, there's a value system that's in place, and you just don't have that without no. a moral standard for good, which ultimately, to me, is God. So, but you can't have those things. You can't have a, a real society, a free society, a, a successful. Or, or uh, you know, a profitable society yep. without those things. So, yeah, man, here we are. I, let's tell you what, let's, do, let's go to a break. You brought some stuff in, and I'm always happy when you bring that stuff in. I'm scared to touch it. I'm afraid I'm going to kick it. Uh, but anyway, you want to talk about a, a moral code. Let's, let's talk about something that will uh, help you in a big way, and it'll also save you some money along the way. You know I've talked about uh, iTarget Pro for a long time with you guys, and uh, – They've created something that just kind of takes you to the next level in your training. Uh, if you're a Second Amendment enthusiast, let me tell you something. That right there, that that's a good basis for morality right there. They're going to help you. Uh, you've seen those competitor shooter practice timing drills out on the range. And you can do that at home now. And you can do it anytime you want. You don't have to spend a dime on ammo. That's what their new iTarget Cube is all about. iTarget Cube, it's fully compatible with the existing laser bullet if you have iTarget Pro. Or you can you can buy more. You can upgrade to a three-pack, and it makes for a pretty unique training experience. Uh, you can compete with your friends. You can practice your clearing drills. You can use random mode to test your ability to react, all the while the system is going to time every shot you take. Now, get you 10% off, plus free shipping with offer code CHAD. I spell it CHAD. If you go to itargetpro.com, itarget comes in all the major calibers, the ones you 
own nine millimeter to two two three. So you can train with almost any firearm you own. It's the easiest, most cost effective way to train. It pays for itself is just the day you buy it. That's the letter I targetpro.com. Once again, itargetpro.com. Use offer code Chad and we'll be right back. There's never enough time when Tim Barton's here uh, because he's always got cool stuff with him. And like I said, it's stuff I'm afraid to breathe on, touch. I want to put on those gloves or whatever. Show me some of this stuff you've got here. You were just showing me uh, the uh, the story from that magazine. That's yes. what, 1947? Uh, the, the magazine's 1947. So yeah. the, we, we have a lot of things from General Patton. Um, I, I actually think uh, later in the week you're going to borrow some for yeah. some stuff y'all are doing. Yeah. Maybe comparing General Patton with some modern day some some of the some of today's american woke military yeah yeah um but this is we have stuff going back as, as we're approaching christmas i thought it'd be fun to bring in some stuff maybe related to some christmases in america and yeah. uh, so two people that i think are incredible american heroes uh, certainly george washington so i have a lithograph of washington the battle of trenton this is from when he crossed the delaware i know the lighting is really rough right now to kind of see this yeah that's kind um, of, hold on grab that in let's lift yeah. let's hit that lighting will help it any at all let's put it on the table yeah, there you go. Turn is that a little helpful? A little bit towards that light. Uh, maybe it'll... Oh, it. there it is. It's lighting yeah. up now. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it, it does look really nice in person, but it's a lithograph. And this is the Battle of Trenton. Uh, at the end of 1776, the Americans largely had only been defeated everywhere. Now, there were some miracles. They survived. And there actually are some really cool providential stories about how God protected and kept George Washington and the military alive. Uh, it helped rescue them, like the, the Battle of Long Island, the Battle of Brooklyn Heights, uh, some providential moments. But Washington knows that if we don't have a victory, the enlistments back then were six months to a year. Mm-hmm. They all were coming to an end, the end of December. People are deserting. Morale is super low, and he knows we have to have a victory. And so this leads to him coming up with a plan that on Christmas night, they will go and they will uh, march on Trenton. Trenton was a fort. There was a thousand Hessians approximately that were in Trenton. And as Hessians, they were Germans. And in America, we didn't really celebrate Christmas much at that time. And part of the reason was because the European practice of Christmas had become so commercialized mm-hmm. that... Sounds familiar. Right. That for a lot of the more pious Americans, they thought, we don't want to trivialize what should be significant, right? Remembering, honoring Christ coming to earth, etc. But what Washington knew is, right, in, in Germany, they were, especially the Hessians, they were big drinkers. Yeah. He said, they're going to have a big Christmas party. And they're all going to get plastered. We could not have a better time to show up than once everybody's drunk, right? right? Like, this is the best time to go to war. So this leads them to go to the Battle of Trenton. The plan was they were going to have 4,500 troops. They're going to cross the Delaware at, at, at midnight, the middle of the night, Christmas night. They're going to cross. So they're going to be set up the next morning. But this was December. And this was like the worst polar bear challenge kind of scenario. Um, there's massive <laughs> chunks of ice that are floating down the river as they're trying to get on. They're going to load their cannons and their horses and get everything across. And where they were trying to get 4,500 troops across, excuse me, no, 5,400 troops. That's the number. 5,400 troops across. They only got 2,400 troops across. Uh, and Washington wanted this to be such a sounding victory that all the men would be encouraged. 
you know, we can do this, we can win something. And so now when your troops have been cut more than half, yeah, uh, right, there's some question marks. Well, it took them four hours to get their troops across the Delaware, just the ones they got across. So now they're significantly delayed. They have a 12 mile march. As they begin marching, a big blizzard opens up. Wow. And the American forces at this time, they're, they're not prepared for winter, which there's a lot of really good documentation on how brutal the winters were for so many Americans because they didn't have winter clothes. Some of them didn't even have boots on their feet. So brutal that you're, you have a blizzard. You're not prepared for a blizzard. It was reported that during the march, two men actually died just from the the weather. They, mm. they stopped, and when they stopped, they froze to death. Wow. Uh, so two men died on the march. But in the midst of this blizzard also, kind of the providential aspect of it is Washington wanted to be there before uh, the first gray of light so they could be surround Trenton and that way they're in position when they call for the surrender they're right in a position that maybe the Hessians look and go oh we're surrounded we want to surrender but there's no way they're going to make it in time now well in the midst of the blizzard the Hessian officer called in the guards. He said, look, nobody's crazy enough to be out marching in the blizzard. Bring in the guards. So all of the guards came in. So there's literally nobody watching. Nobody's on guard. Nobody's patrolling. Everybody's inside during the blizzard. So Washington's able to get his troops there unseen, unnoticed. They set up and at 8 a.m. that morning, they make the announcement. Uh, it's a 45-minute battle before the Hessians decide to surrender. They killed 20 Hessians. They wounded 100. Uh, ended up all of them, the thousands, surrender to Washington. Washington had three men that were wounded and literally nobody died during the battle, which is almost unheard of. What's another cool providential moment is as they were marching that night to get to Trenton, uh, they were going by a a row of townhouses and there was a family that had a dog start barking. Uh, There was a man that came to the door with his musket, not knowing what was going on, looked out, saw the American forces. He called out, what are you doing? And one of the troops told him, we're we're marching on Trenton. He said, I'm a doctor. I I, want to go with you. So this doctor goes within the Trenton of the three guys that were wounded. One of the guys who was wounded was James Monroe, who went on to become the fifth president of the United mm-hmm. States. When he got wounded, he got shot right by the heart and it nicked an artery. So this doctor stuck his finger in. They're able to carterize. Uh-huh. He saves James Monroe's life. James Monroe would have, could have, should have died that night. And so you see some of these really providential moments. And I think this is also such an interesting story that it would be very easy if you were one of the soldiers of that time and you're thinking, I'm trying to do the honorable thing. I'm fighting for freedom. I'm fighting for religious liberty. I'm fighting right for my friends in this nation. And as a person of faith, you're walking and all of a sudden God sends a blizzard and you're like, God, <laughs> right? Like, what's the deal? I'm trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Not recognizing that in God's providence, God was using the blizzard to get the guards inside because it had not been for the blizzard, they wouldn't have been inside. I I think it's just such a neat story that sometimes because we can't always see the way providence worked, right? The way God works, it's easy for us sometimes to question or second guess things along the way. Um, But the reality is in so many of these situations, especially during the revolution, God showed up big, which actually led me to one of my second favorite stories about Christmas uh, dealing with General Patton. And this is where you referenced, uh, we have a really cool magazine, which first of all, Patton from World War II, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, was so successful that basically he did not lose anything uh, when he was over in Africa, when he was over in Europe, incredibly successful. The only reason he did not achieve the rank and get all the promotions he probably should have is because he was a little rough around the edges, um, which I also love about Patton because he was just a real guy. Uh, And at that time, they didn't understand uh, post-traumatic stress. Uh, They they called it shell shock um, at the end of World War II, but they really didn't understand. And at, at one point, Patton went into a medical tent where there were people that had literally lost 
limbs, right? Missing an arm or leg. And he walked in and saw this guy laying down who had no physical damage anywhere in his body. And he's just like laying curled up in this fetal position. And Pat's like, what are you doing? Get up. You are dishonoring all the men who are wounded in here because you're laying in here. There's nothing wrong with you. And Patton actually slapped the guy. And in, in fairness, they also had a treatment back then that was shock therapy where they would literally shock people that were in this emotional catatonic state at right. times. So like arguably you could say, he should give them shock therapy, slapping them. Slap him. But because he did this to a soldier who was going through mental and emotional stress, um, he and, and there was one or two scenarios like this um, where he just he, he didn't have a lot of understanding, but maybe not grace for guys who were struggling along the way. Right. And also in fairness, Patton was just cut from a different kind of cloth. Right. He he's the guy that he was in a city that the city is being bombed. There's there's planes coming and they're they're shooting literally machine guns. And he goes out uh, basically like in his underwear. He has his pistol and a plane's coming. He starts shooting this plane with his pistol as it's going by. Like he's just a different kind of guy. He never demanded anybody do anything that he was not doing. He, He didn't require soldiers to give up more than he was already giving up. But especially in modern cancel culture, like he would be canceled pretty fast. Yeah. However, without him, unquestionably, we wouldn't have won the war. This is a handwritten letter from Patton to his mom. It's mm. while he's over in Europe. And it was actually on Christmas Day It's where this letter's from. And he tells her that I would be home except for this stupid war. I have to be over here and away from you. But I, I long to be with you soon. Well, part of the story of him on Christmas Day, when he is leading the Third Army there in France, this is leading up to the Battle of the Bulge. And there, there's the first army, which is up north. He is south of the first army, the third army. But Patton had some of the best intelligence of anybody in the military. Arguably, only Eisenhower had better intelligence than Patton did. And maybe not even better. Maybe they just had equal intelligence. But Patton had men coming to him from the third army and saying, hey, so, some of the top divisions of the Germans, they're, they're disappearing off the line. And the only reason they would be disappearing, the top units, they're only disappearing because they're going to gather in a collection somewhere and then they're going to enforce attack somewhere. And so Patton, again, trying to get better intelligence, they determined that the only place that they would really go, they'd have to attack north because they're not attacking where he is. Part of that might be his name and reputation as well. They didn't want any piece of him. And Patton was supposed to keep going. He was going from the west, going east, and he was supposed to keep advancing to the east. But he begins to realize something is not right. And when you have 250,000 men in your army, the third army, when you have all kinds of tanks and all armored vehicles, all this big machinery, it's quite a process to get them moving because you have to have a diesel or gas station positioned along the way. You have to have food along the way with the fuel for all your troops. And Patton puts out a call. He says, hey, start, start moving that north because I'm pretty sure we're going to have to go north. We're going to have to back up the first army. Start moving things along the way. So before he's given orders, he's already prepping, already moving things because his intelligence told him something's going on. It's probably going north. So sure enough, the Germans, they do what was known as Blitzkrieg. They had 1,800 tanks. They had 200,000 men, and they attacked the first army. They broke through the lines. And at this point, the Americans, uh, the, the allied forces, the British, all the other people that were joining on the team, they're pushing the Germans back through France. And the idea was to bottle them up so there's less ground we have to fight over. We'll bottle them up. We'll, we'll get a victory in Germany. And if they break through the lines and they get back to where now they can go over to Western Europe, it's going to be hard to corral and contain them again. But Blitzkrieg, the idea from the Germans was they're going to break through the American line. They went 60 to 80 miles past the Americans, and then they turned in line and forced, and they came to kind of sandwich, attack the Americans, the first army from both sides. So when Patton gets the word from Eisenhower, get up there, 
a, a, a redirect like this should have taken weeks. It took a matter of days because he'd already sent his fueling vehicles ahead. He'd already sent food ahead. He knew he was going to have to go. And before he goes, he also knows that in World War II, the American tanks were far, far worse than any of the German tanks, uh, whether it be the Tiger, the Panzer, all the German tanks are better. I think there were 12 tanks in World War II. The Sherman tank was number nine out of the 12. It was mm-hmm. way down. The Germans had some of the very best ones. So our tanks couldn't hold up to their tanks tank for tank. But at that point, we had already destroyed nearly 90% of the German Air Force. And so we had air superiority and our planes could just go and drop bombs on the tank. And once we've crippled the tank, our Shermans can deal with any of their infantry. That's no problem. So we needed our planes in the air. The weather was so bad in, in these winter storms that we couldn't get our planes off the ground. And Patton is getting word. He knows he's going to have to go north. He calls in his chaplain, General James O'Neill. This was a chief of all the chaplains. And General James O'Neill came in and Patton asked him, he said, do we have a prayer for weather? <laughs> and General James O'Neill uh, and, and some of the higher liturgy denominations of Christianity, they have prayer books. And he said, well, sir, I have a prayer book. Let me check my prayer book. He checked it and there was not a prayer for weather. And Patton says, I need you to write a prayer for weather. And so he says, yes, sir, I will write a prayer for weather. And it was also during this time before he left, General James O'Neill says that Patton crossed his arms. He went over, he looked out a window. He said, General, he said, do our men pray? And chaplain told him, well, yes, sir. We have services every weekend. Men come to the services. He said, no, 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 not, not do they go to church. Do our men pray? He said, well, sir, you know, you know, there's no atheists in Foxhole. So when they're getting shot at, they're praying. He says, no, no, not, not like that. Do our men pray? And chaplain was like, I'm not sure what he wants. And he says, if our men don't pray, I'm afraid that we might not see God move. And if God doesn't move, we might not win this war. He says, our men need to be praying. And that was the tone he had when he left. Well, he goes to leave to go write this prayer. And this is the actual prayer card that he came up with. Mm. This uh, was on December 12th when he came back with his prayer card that Patton approved and authorized for it to be printed. There's 250,000 men in the Third Army. And so on one side, it's got a Christmas greeting. It's got General Patton's signature at the bottom, uh, wishing them a Merry Christmas. But on the back side, it has the prayer prayer that they issued to be distributed all the troops for them to be able to pray. And the prayer is is a very simple prayer. It says, Almighty and most merciful Father, we humbly beseech thee of thy great goodness to restrain these immoderate reigns with which we have had to contend. Grant us fair weather for battle. Graciously hearken to us as soldiers who call upon thee that armed with thy power, we may advance from victory to victory and crush the oppression and wickedness of our enemies and establish thy justice and mercy among nations. Amen. Wow. So this is the prayer that gets issued. They then begin their march north. When they get up north, uh, Patton, and this is December 22nd, um, before they're really initiating their kickoff. And Patton um, had several journalists that came in, uh, war correspondents, and Patton at that point pulled out one of these prayer cards. I've, I've now issued this to all the men. And all the men will be praying this prayer. Um, And if the weather breaks, he says, I have confidence we will win this war. Well, one of the things that also happened is General Patton went to a prayer chapel, went to a chapel to have prayer more specifically. And what's really cool, this is a a magazine. It's a gentleman's magazine. And it actually tells a story from several eyewitnesses who were there. It shows General Patton uh, praying at the chapel, but it 
it actually, yeah, the guys recorded part of the prayer, which is also kind of awesome because it reveals General Patton that he was a man who had a really good heart and was just kind of rough around the edges in, in some ways. Uh, because when he went to the chapel, he actually cussed at God multiple times during the prayer. He says, how dare you, right? You, he said, you need to pick whose side you're on. Are you on our side or are you on Hitler's side, <laughs> right? You need to figure out whose side you're on because if you're on our side, we have to have better weather. He says, if you give me good weather, he says, I will send you more Germans than your bookkeeper knows how to handle. He says, I promise you every day I will send you so many Germans. He says, but you you need to give us good weather. The reporters said that it was on the 22nd of December is when they had this meeting. They reported that on the 23rd was the first glimpse they saw the weather might be changing. On the 24th, it was perfect weather. And they said, we have not seen a better day in months. Well, with perfect weather, all of our planes are now getting off the ground. We're able to now engage on a different level than we could before. On the 25th, reporters again said it's another perfect day. And they begin identifying all the victories with the, the, the thousands of vehicles or tanks that were being destroyed by the Americans. Well, Patton goes on to actually win the Battle of the Bulge. And he then, and it's actually in this this magazine as well, he then goes back to the chapel and he prays again to God. And, and it, it's really interesting they said it he took off his helmet and it was almost like he was giving a report to a commanding officer he says sir here's what happened in the battle here's what we did here's what i did he said and i would like to apologize for my attitude earlier (laughs) he said i'm sorry for cussing at you he said i should have trusted you i should have known what's also a really fun ending to the story is chaplain james o'neill the one who wrote the chap or the one who wrote the prayer general Patton called him back in and awarded him a bronze star for this prayer card and having his prayer answered, which led to victory. And it's one of the things that, certainly I love learning the stories of American history, but even as a person of faith, I love hearing the account of some of the greatest leaders in our nation, whether it be a George Washington or General Patton, and it was moments of incredible divine providence of God moving in significant ways, showing up, saving the day where we couldn't have done it had it not been for God's help. But with God's help, we were able to achieve victories along the way. And specifically because these were at Christmas time, I also love the fact that as we look at Christmas in America, certainly as a Christian, I celebrate Christmas, the birth of celebrating the birth of the Savior, but even recognizing that there's many moments of God moving significantly to help America at this season of Christmas beyond just sending a Savior. That's awesome. That's why I love Tim Barton. There you go. Wall builders, check them out, support them, study with them. And uh, that's awesome, dude. That's good stuff. I'm going to have to take a look at that letter in a minute. Hey, for anybody looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, uh, you want to transform how you look and feel, start taking care of your liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. It's uh, going to perform over 500 key functions in your body every day and cleanses and removes thousands of harmful toxins. There's a simple all-natural solution that I absolutely recommend. I take it myself. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying ability. It's going to boost your energy. It's going to kick your natural metabolism into high gear. And it works remarkably well to fight a fatty liver, which is a silent epidemic happening right now in the lives of many Americans. Liver Health Formula is backed by the latest science, and it is approved by American doctors, and every bottle is manufactured right here in America. Right now, as a part of my audience, you can get uh, the Liver Health Formula risk-free. You'll get five free gifts. You're going to get the uh, 30-day supply of nanopowered omega-3. It's a powerful blend of 
Uh, Omega-3 fatty acids is going to support a healthy heart and brain. Four times better absorption thanks to their special nano delivery system. They're going to give you uh, four ebooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity, regardless of your age. So go to getliverhelp.com slash Chad. Get that risk-free supply of liver health formula, five bonus gifts, 365-day money-back guarantee. You got nothing to risk. Getliverhelp.com. That's getliverhelp.com slash Chad. Or call them 800-282-1757. Be right back. Welcome back. Uh, Yeah, okay, let's get right into it. Folks, when in the course of our everyday lives we occasionally stumble upon some happy incident, some stroke of good luck, and an otherwise never-ending series of different strokes, a moment wherein the good really does seem to triumph over the evil for the time being, well, we should celebrate that. And and one good piece of that all-too-rare good luck came down the other day in the form of a federal court blocking the Biden administration from forcing Christian doctors to perform abortions and transsexual mutilation surgeries. Now, it's weird to think that one would even need to utter a phrase like that, much less explicate or clarify on the granular level in which we thrive on this here program. If you'll recall, uh, way back to a different era in time, there once was a president named Obama. And he and his administrative cadre set loose upon the nation the infamous Affordable Care Act, rendered in the parlance of our times as Obamacare. And in one of the more obscure and poorly lit cobweb-filled corners of this legislative behemoth sat a very innocent-looking little chunk known as Section 1557. And Section 1557 states that federally funded health care programs cannot discriminate against patients on the basis of sex. Now... I want us to all put our common sense helmets on and make sure you tie the bow tight underneath and give that propeller a good spin. I mean, what the hell do you imagine discrimination on the basis of sex to mean? Because I could tell you it's been used ever since to shoehorn in abortions and transgender surgeries, including on children. Understand something, folks. Under this provision in this act that was voted on and ratified by the people, uh, we, the people of the United States of America, elected to office under this provision, doctors have had no options available to them in cases where, for religious reasons or medical ones or both, they didn't feel that the surgery was the right thing to do. Unless we forget, given that we live in the land of make-believe and often shovel our critical thinking into the same lagoon where the livestock deposit their collective dumps, it's worth taking note that many, many, many doctors still see things like transgender surgery as a bad thing for you medically. Maybe because in most, if not all cases, well, it is. So we could take a moment to appreciate the silver lining here, folks, and, and be glad that common sense has at least come down from the judiciary on the side of religious freedom and also on the side of medical expertise. It should not sit idly on your mind that without the you know, rather precipitous restructuring of federal courts in terms of appointees over the years at the hands of one Donald Trump, it's possible we wouldn't be seeing even this amount of sanity back in the world of medical legislation yet. Just a thought. We're all going to be dumping on him to one level or another over the next couple of years. So I may as well remind you that he did some really good things. Now, this does not mean by 
any means. It doesn't mean that the fight is over. If anything, it's just begun because you obviously can't count on the left merely sitting back and licking its wounds after a defeat like that. They're going to get back on the horse. They're going to attack our freedoms again, and this time they'll even attack harder. That's why it's important for us to be prepared for it. The battle of the heart and soul of our nation is constant, folks, so stay vigilant. Ah, look who's here. Sarah Gonzalez, you're here. Who? Oh, yeah. it's me. Well, Tim, you look way better than Tim Barton. And <laughs> Tim Barton's a good-looking man, I'm just going to say. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, Hi. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me back. You're welcome. You're here right in time to go take a break. Oh. Tim talked for a long time. Wow. Well, well. He educated us. I'm glad I... He's a smart guy. I'm glad I canceled my lunch for this. I'm glad... <laughs> <laughs> We don't eat lunch, Sarah. I know. I have to fit into a, a really, really form-fitting dress in January. So uh, I told my husband I can't eat from well, now until January 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> What's your form-fitting dress? What do you mean, what is it? It's a big sparkly dress for a okay. ball that I'm going to. Well, that's what I mean. What the, what's, the, what's the event? Is what you may not be able to say. I I'm not sure. Let me I check on that. I have not been able to talk to you. I haven't seen you in days. Yeah. This is our first. So you and I normally we kiss and hug and hold one another. And yeah. We big spoon, little spoon for at least five minutes before the cameras start rolling. <laughs> this is straight up us. Uh, we'll do that in the next segment. Uh, offers for free iPhones are usually too good to be true. Just like freedom itself, nothing is free. Mobile phone companies not only lock you into long-term contracts, but they also build the price of the phone into your bill with hidden fees. Now, with Patriot Mobile, they can show you how to get that same iPhone interest-free without the games, and hey, no contract. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer nationwide coverage in the best 4G and 5G networks because they use the same towers as the other major carriers. So you're going you're to get the same great service while supporting a company that's actually fighting to preserve your God-given rights and freedoms. That's interesting. Hmm. I think we should support Patriot Mobile. They offer a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you could switch to either of the three major carriers they provide for free. So go to patriotmobile.com slash chat, or you can call them 100% U.S.-based customer service team 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code CHAD. I spell it chat. If you're fed up with the woke companies that don't care about you and your values or your country, support a company that does. Patriotmobile.com. And we'll be right back. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. Biggest news story of the weekend? Uh, the Twitter files, I think. Yeah? For sure. 
and there I mean there's even more that's coming out and I'm like I geez every day they have more and more that comes out about how really how bad it was at Twitter and how they were manipulating yeah. the uh, the rules to get what they wanted bastards I think so I mean we've been saying it all along that's why I you know it's frustrating because I feel like people who watch this network have been so in tune with the fact that that was already going on, that they're yeah. like, yeah, this is old news. We already knew it. But it's like, well, we did. But what did we get called right. when so, we said it? So the news and why it matters. <laughs> the news is they're they're telling the truth now on what was going on with Twitter. Why it matters is now the world is seeing it. Right. See, like we've been telling you for years. Yeah. And you can't get called a conspiracy theorist for yeah. this anymore. We, we, we've been telling you this stuff for years. And now it, it's again, it's true. Yeah. Just like people's attitudes have changed towards COVID. Right. Like, I guarantee you, 90% of the world would not, if they knew then what they know now, they would not go back two years and do what those COVID protocols were being demanded. Right. They wouldn't do it. Right. No. They just wouldn't do it. Um, Which is what we tried to warn we them. We tried to tell you right up front yeah. on that deal. Yeah. But again, uh, and go to my Twitter feed, there, Larry, Larry Alex Taunton, he's got a great piece that he did a thread on bots and how they've used bots for years and the bots are still working on twitter i mean they're mm -hmm. still there you know they've done it because and there talks about he cites a psychological study of of how if you can hear all these things coming at you from all these angles eventually you just give in and you think okay well this must be the truth because so many people are saying it repetitively over and over again they're not people saying it it's bots mm. That it's, is really powerful, too. It's computer AI. It's algorithms that are telling you certain things because they've programmed this machine to keep repeating the same information back to you. And so after a while, you're just like, well, shit, I can't win. Right. Right. I, I can't. How am I going to? The whole world believes this. I can't. Well, ain't the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and how, but how many people who uh, don't have an opinion scroll by and see what the bot says and think, oh, well. Yeah, that's got to be the deal. That's what it is. That's the truth. Well, I, you know, I hope he keeps dumping. I hope he keeps reminding things. You know, you got Michelle Obama, who obviously put pressure on them to, to get Trump banned. You've got, I mean, this is the biggest scandal in U.S. history, in my opinion. This, 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 the Watergate was a, was a, was a botched little robbery that wouldn't have had any impact whatsoever on, on an election. That was nothing. Yeah. This is huge because it, they used, again, they used the bots to influence the election. Elon Musk tweeted the other day that he did, he thought Trump would have lost no matter what, mm -hmm. even with the Twitter influence. I t totally disagree because too. you would assume that Twitter is the only place people are getting information. Twitter is not. Right. It's happening on Facebook. It's happening on Instagram. Every, you name it. It's happening on all these things. CNN, so. MSNBC. And then I you mean, got the mainstream media. Right. Social media aside, you got the mainstream media that's doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly for all of the squawking that the left did about collusion when they wasted millions of our taxpayer dollars and what was it, two years of our lives trying to pretend like there was some sort of Russian collusion and that didn't quite pan out for all the talk about collusion and they cared so much about collusion. I seem to not they seem to be awfully quiet about this collusion. Yeah, very quiet. Hmm. So we see who rigged the election and actually committed an insurrection. Because this, and, and by the way, you guys kept saying it's a private company. It's not a First Amendment violation. Well, now we realize exactly what we said all along, right. that it is. Right. Because the government mm -hmm. was using them yep. 
and putting pressure on them to silence free speech. Which is exactly, I, I believe that we we talked about this last week where I said, um, you know, we talked about the people who came out and said, well, that's not true because the First Amendment only applies to the government. It's only when the government does it. And, and Elon had said, this is a clear First Amendment violation. And people came at him for that. And I said, you know, this guy's already seen it all. So I'm sure what he's referencing is yeah. all of it, not just Twitter files part one or whatever it is. And sure enough, a couple Twitter file parts later, we see that that was exactly the case. Yeah. Uh, Dave Chappelle brought Elon on stage the other night and they booed him for five minutes. Really? Yeah, you couldn't get I mean, even Chappelle couldn't calm him down. Oh, that's awkward. Yeah. But, okay, but are they all still on Twitter? Well, I mean, the thing is, Dave Chappelle's a free speech advocate. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're at Dave Chappelle's show, you're kind of hypocritical if you're booing Elon Musk, in my opinion. Well, and again, I'm sure they all still have their Twitter accounts. Yeah. So you must not dislike him that badly. I bet they'll all take that ride to Mars, too. (laughs) He provides it. (laughs) How many of them are driving that Tesla? Yeah. You know? Uh, Man, it's arguably the greatest scandal in U.S. history. Not in COVID. I mean, I would say COVID was pretty bad, too. But they use Twitter to cover that up, too. Right. Yeah, they're all kind of intermingled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, it's, it's arguably as far as as far as a government. Yeah. You have to. It's a coin toss between those mm-hmm. things. But I say it's a bigger deal simply because they used that. They put pressure on them to stop the flow of free speech. How many lives arguably could have been saved? That's yeah, if we that's if people point. could have just said whatever they want to say. If doctors had not been shut down and could have actually diagnosed and treated people according to the individual, not according to the governmental federal protocol. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Anyway. Um, You okay? You good? I'm good. All right, don't go anywhere. You got here late. Hang tight. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. All right, Greenville, South Carolina, I'm coming to you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be all up in you. The Comedy Zone. That's I know. Four shows, two nights, Quite Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> just go with it, Sarah. It's just marketing. Uh, and then uh, locally, Arlington, Texas on the 21st of December and, and College Station on the 3rd. We had a huge show the other night. It was so much fun. Uh, complete with medical emergencies in the middle oh, of it and the whole gosh. thing. Um, I cannot believe that happened. It was wild. But he's doing okay. Anyway, watchchad.com is where all the fun stuff is. Be sure to check out Sarah. And uh, also our friend Tim Burton at uh, Wall Builders. Is it .org or .com? We never know. Check them both. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow's Tuesday. We love you. God bless you. We will see you then. Bye.